The Covenant Podcast exists to discuss doctrine, theology, and the biblical worldview from a covenantal Baptist perspective. We pray that this resource will be edifying to you and glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Jimmy Johnson here with my co-host and trusty sidekick and compadre, Austin McCormick. We are getting a little bit more stir-crazy as the quarantine goes along, and I don't have a good nickname for him like Jimothy, so he's just Austin. Today, we had something planned, but due to circumstances, we had to change up what we are going to be talking about, and we are actually going to talk about the Gospel of Mark. Both Austin and I have been preaching expositionally through this book. Um, We both began prior to the quarantine starting, and we have continued to try and provide encouragement to our people amid the present distress with the gospel of Mark and the truths that we find therein. And to start off our discussion, I'm, I'm going to read the intro that I gave, or at least a portion of the intro that I gave to the book when I first started several months ago. And that is this. The Gospel of Mark is a fast-moving and hard-hitting theological telling of the life of Jesus. It is not a biography in the modern sense, but a historically true account of the words and especially the deeds of Jesus to teach us who the Lord Jesus is and what he did. So, Austin, you want to provide some of the, the historical background for for that we need to know or that at least would help us as good interpreters and good expositors of the gospel of Mark. I certainly will try to do so. Um, I actually, in my first sermon through the gospel of Mark, had a entire sermon dedicated to this topic. And within that sermon, I talked about authorship, uh, audience, I even actually introduced uh, the concept of textual criticism, talked about the purpose and theme of the Gospel of Mark before we actually uh, started working through it. So I'm going to try to provide some of those topics, not all of them, in this introduction uh, that we're having right now. So I'll start with authorship. And uh, as we look at the Gospel of Mark, who's writing the Gospel of Mark, here's a a uh, fragment of my sermon that I used to talk about authorship. Uh, here's a quote from Papias telling us about who Mark is. Mark was the interpreter of Peter and wrote accurately whatever he remembered about the things which were said or done by the Lord. Mark never heard the Lord nor followed him, but he relied upon Peter who adapted his teachings to the needs of his hearers without setting forth an orderly account of the Lord's saying. So the earliest person to write about the Gospel of Mark tells us that Mark was a messenger of Peter's teachings. Some other people in early church history that agreed with uh, this Markan authorship as Mark being a recorder of Peter uh, Justin Martyr agreed with Papias, uh, Irenaeus, and Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian, Origen, and Jerome all agreed that Mark was the interpreter of 
Peter, the only church father that I could find in my study, not to say that I can't be corrected, but the only church father uh, that I found that did not agree with these other men was Augustine. And Augustine believed that Mark copied his gospel from the gospel of Matthew. So from my study, I found that uh, a lot of the early church fathers almost all agreed that Mark wrote down the teachings of Peter. As you've read through uh, the book of Acts, some of you have probably stumbled across the name John Mark. Acts chapter 12, verse 12 tells us about a man named John Mark. Uh, Acts chapter 12 tells us that John Mark spent time with Paul and Bartimus. And in Acts chapter 13, John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 tells us that John Mark was the cousin of Barnabas, but perhaps the most interesting place that we read about Mark is in Peter's first letter. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 13, Peter calls Mark my son. So here are some scriptural places where we read about a man named Mark, uh, but from my study, I think that I've found that John Mark is Peter's scribe and that he is the one that wrote the Gospel of Mark. Jimmy, do you have anything to say about authorship before I keep going? I concur. You concur. Okay. Uh, I'll talk real briefly about the audience for the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the Gospel of Mark was probably written to a primarily Gentile audience. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, we see... Um, many Jewish customs having to be explained. And Mark is probably explaining these Jewish customs to his Gentile audience that don't understand the Jewish customs that he's writing about. So Mark is trying to familiarize his Gentile audience with these customs so that way they will better understand how the coming of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of what God has done through Israel and now is continuing to do throughout the entire world as the gospel triumphs to all nations. Uh, I did introduce textual criticism, but we're not going to dabble into that here today. Uh, I do want to enter or mention three themes that I think the gospel of Mark uh, emphasizes. Then Jimmy is going to speak on uh, a theme that he thinks the gospel of Mark emphasizes, but the first one that I had was look to Jesus because he is the son of man and the son of God. Uh, from the first verse in Mark's gospel, we read the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And then throughout Mark's gospel, we read of Jesus calling himself the son of man. Chapter uh, two at the beginning, whenever Jesus is speaking to the scribes. He tells them that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So as we look throughout the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus' deity and we see his humanity. And, of course, we are to trust by faith in his person. Uh, secondly, we see that we are to look to Jesus because he is the ransom for sinners. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Mark writes that the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. We see the glorious truths of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ throughout this gospel. 
we see Jesus coming to lay his life down, telling his disciples he's coming to lay his life down and to serve. So look to Jesus because he is the ransom for sinners. Thirdly, look to Jesus because he teaches discipleship. Uh, we see how a follower of Christ is supposed to live. Uh, Jesus says things like, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh, follow me, he calls out his early disciples, and I will make you to become fishers of men. So, of course, we see that Jesus teaches discipleship. And Jimmy, do you have another purpose that you want to, or theme that you want to emphasize through uh, the Gospel of Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll make a couple of comments on something that has become more evident to me as I I continue in my study in the Book of Mark, and that is the both the the quotations of the Old Testament as well as allusions that Mark makes to the Old Testament and particularly the prophet Isaiah. And in the picture that this gives us in the Gospel of Mark as it develops that Jesus is the suffering king who who enlightens the nations and redeems sinners by giving himself as a ransom or a substitute for his people. And it and it calls us over and over again to look at Jesus as as Austin has already told us to look at Jesus as our king and our redeemer and and that he accomplishes his exaltation or he comes to the point of exaltation which culminates obviously in in the resurrection or 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 it 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 manifests in his resurrection but he he gets there through a road of suffering and trials and pain. And we see over and over and over again in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus enters the suffering of various folks that he encounters and almost takes it upon himself. Like when when outcasts were not welcomed in, I believe it was the man with the withered hand, he would have been outcasted, he, he, he would have been shunned as a result of it, and yet Jesus in healing him in some ways himself becomes famous and and then is relegated to go out into the wilderness where he is alone where he suffers per se and and actually that's not the man with the withered hand it might have been the man the demoniac or or the paralytic but the point remains the same Uh, we're going to transition onto uh, ministerial purposes for why we want to preach through the Gospel of Mark. But before we do that, do you have any other thoughts, uh, any other areas that you think we want to hit on in introduce, introducing the Gospel of Mark? One other thing is, I mean, most scholars believe that that Mark, at least in some way, form, or fashion, serves as a, a source for, for the other synoptic gospels. So it, it kind of serves as one of the bases of it. That's what many believe. It's not uniform, obviously, in, in scholarship, but that's one of the major things. And then also one thing that I've been reading and researching is that John and in the Gospel of Mark kind of kind of can complement one another and John can assist us in interpreting Mark and certain portions and things like that. And that Mark does, though he talks a lot about 
Jesus preaching. He says that Jesus preaches like over and over and over again. He really doesn't tell us a whole lot of what Jesus actually said. I mean, he, he tells us that Jesus preached the, the kingdom, spoke the word of God and, and things like that, but he doesn't give us much detail as compared to the gospel of both Matthew and Luke. Well, uh, thank you for that. That said, let's go ahead and transition to uh, the next part of this conversation, uh, ministerial purposes for preaching through the gospel of Mark. Uh, as Jimmy mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Jimmy and I are both preaching through the gospel of Mark. We actually didn't talk with one another about what book we were going to preach uh, at our churches. We just did it, and now we've been able to talk about it, and we're excited to talk about it with you today. Uh, that said, Jimmy, what are some of your goals, reasons, or convictions for feeling led to preach through this book uh, to your congregation? One reason is I have, I mean, and this is personal, I have never really taken as much time as I, I should to study the Gospels and and to to proclaim them and preach them. And the Gospels served a very prominent part in and throughout Christian history. And, and I felt like I had neglected them at my own peril, but also the peril of my the the people whom I serve and who I, I seek to shepherd. But the reason I selected Mark was it it was a shorter gospel, so it wouldn't require as much time in theory to to cover because my folks still are adjusting to super long expositional series and I didn't want to take three or four years to get through one of the longer gospels. So I, I selected Mark for that reason, but also just the emphasis of Mark over and over and over again, showing the supremacy, the value, the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to be able to put that in front of our people in a very tangible and powerful way because stories communicate in a way that just abstract propositional arguments don't. And, and being in a place and in, in a rural area in which the tangible and the practical and the pragmatic are very, very, very important, and stories are very, very, very important, I wanted to, to show them the story of Jesus and how the story of Jesus provides us with a, a lens through which to see him as, as the Redeemer, as the Son of God incarnate, as the one who gives a ransom for us, and as the one who we should seek to believe in, first of all, and in gratitude, imitate. So that's some of the reasons why I, I picked the gospel of Mark. Yeah, and certainly those are great goals. And uh, as I mentioned mine, we're certainly going to have some overlap. <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember exactly who it is that we were talking with on the podcast, and the conversation itself may not have been recorded. It may have been after the conversation, but uh, I believe Jimmy and I were talking with a brother on the podcast, and we were talking about some of the goals that we had for our congregation moving forward as we pastor in our local church. And uh, I don't want to say who it is because I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was Phil Newton. The brother, I think it is too, <laughs> but I think the brother told us that if we're going to bring these goals 
to us. Our church needs us to be preaching the gospel and our church needs to know the gospel before we can dive into some of these other things. And um, I do have a growing concern that not everybody that goes to church understands the gospel. And as I think it is Brother Phil Newton that said those words to us, man, that really resonated with me that my congregation needs to either be encouraged by the the gospel over and over again right now in this season of our congregation, or people that come to our church that don't understand the gospel need to hear the gospel. Uh, So right now I'm trying to lay a foundation, preaching about Jesus week after week, learning about his person. I guess one of my major goals as I do this is teaching who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus we're talking about? Um, Before we got into the gospel of Mark, I preached a series through the book of Ruth, and that was an extremely edifying experience for our congregation. And certainly from an Old Testament book, you're having to build those gaps to get to Christ, to uh, show the way of how Christ is typified, how he's uh, mentioned beforehand or, or shadowed beforehand. But I've had such a joy in preaching through the gospel of Mark because week after week, we're learning new things about what Jesus is doing, what he's preaching, and uh, preaching narrative texts like Jimmy mentioned has also been a joy. I think Jimmy may have mentioned either in a podcast or a blog about how telling stories is very, uh, very great way of communicating simple truths. And we certainly as a congregation have been benefited by it. So I guess my two major uh, goals is to teach and preach who is Jesus and what is the gospel. So do you have any other further thoughts about purposes or goals? Well, I, I didn't really share any goals. Uh, I suppose my goals would very much align with yours as I, I want my folks to to have an accurate view of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want them to to love Jesus. I mean, that was the big idea of, of my, my sermon that I preached yesterday. I want them to love the Lord Jesus as he has been revealed to us in God's word. And in the gospels, we get four accounts that that give us a a a, a rich picture of the Lord Jesus that if we didn't have those, we would we would be missing a lot, even with Paul's epistles and things like that. We would be missing a lot. It it really puts meat on the bones for for the the skeletal things that we find in in Paul's letters as well as of course Peter's and the other letters in the scriptures and then Revelation. But I just really want my people to to know Jesus and to to love him and especially in in times that we find ourselves in now to to have a a steadfast rock and assurance in Christ who who is I mean the great physician he is the healer he is bringing the kingdom of God and and when it is consummated there will be no more pain suffering death or viruses for that matter and and his government will never be overthrown nor will it be tyrannical and we can we can hope in him. And I want my folks to to believe that. I want them to hear that. 
Well, uh, this conversation certainly for me has already been edifying. Uh, and I'm sure that I'll probably be edified even more as I hear your next answer to our next transition. Let's talk about some of the rewards or the benefits that we have received. Um, let's particularly talk about the office of the pastorate and uh, all of the local church uh, as the gospel of Mark is being proclaimed from the pulpit in the local church. So what are some of the rewards that you have noticed by doing this series? Well, I mean, I'll start off by reflecting on my most recent sermon and some of the impressions that I got. And it, it, I mean, as the gospels are explaining Jesus, there is some redundancy. There is some repetition of themes and development and building upon other themes that are, are earlier and later developed. And in this latest passage, it's kind of a summary of that I've been looking at in Mark chapter 3, and I want to say I did verses 7 through 12 this Sunday. And it's a summary of, of various ministries that Jesus had, had partaken of and, and really where Jesus went after ministering in the synagogue. And Jesus goes to the sea, which is characteristic in Mark's gospel. He often goes to the sea. He withdraws and goes to the sea. And these crowds, they, they just flock to him from all over the place. I mean, it, it, it most definitely had both Jews and Gentiles, and they were coming to to see the Lord Jesus because they had heard of the many things that he had done. And they they wanted to get near him so bad so that they could touch him in order that he could heal them. And and Jesus has his disciples get a boat because the people are literally following over each other to get to him and and coming close to following upon him. At least that's how the text pictures it. And yet we don't see Jesus snapping at these people. Instead, he, he has them get a boat. And what would Jesus have done from the boat? Well, he would have t taught them. That's what he usually would do. The boat served as kind of like a, a mobile pulpit. And in all these times that we hear of these crowds and these droves coming to Jesus, we don't see him lash out in rage. We don't even see him get annoyed. Instead, over and over again, it tells us that he preaches the word. And what is the word? It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's calling people to repent. He's proclaiming the reign of God and, and pointing to himself as the bringer of that kingdom, the restoration of God's kingdom among man in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and there's the theological truth there that we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but also we shouldn't be quick to dismiss the example that we see in the Lord Jesus just as a, a compassionate and patient preacher and teacher. He was sensitive to the needs of the people. He healed them. He did all these various things. He, he was willing, per se, to be distracted from his task of preaching to help these people, but Never did he he stop preaching, and and never did he grow tired of it. He and and even when people would come and they'd they'd curse him and they'd persecute him, particularly the false teachers, Jesus 
was not deterred from doing what was good and right and wholesome. And of course, Jesus was sinless. So we we know that. But we as his people, though imperfectly, are called this side of glory and gratitude to imitate some of these qualities of our Lord. We we are to do what is good and right, even if it brings detraction, even if it brings hatred upon us, even if it brings suffering. We are to to love people and share the truth with them, even at times where it's inconvenient and we want to get away, because we have the message of, of salvation. We have the message of hope. We have the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we know the king of the kingdom and, and how people gain access to it, and what better news do we have to tell. So I, I think the rewarding thing for me as a preacher and a teacher is to sit under the feet of the greatest preacher and teacher who ever lived, and that is the Lord Jesus, and seek in both my posture towards the people whom I serve and, and the unbelievers who I encounter even to, to have a similar one to our Lord Jesus. And then another point of encouragement to me is something that's emphasized and, and it should be somewhat obvious because the Gospel of Mark is presenting Jesus as the Son of Man. And if you read about the Son of Man in Daniel, he's glorious and powerful and authoritative. Indeed, he has authority over all the nations and powers. Everything is placed under his feet and his dominion lasts forever and ever and ever. Um, that Jesus has this, this all-encompassing authority. And when demons, who, who most of us who are supernaturalists would affirm, are powerful beings, terrifying beings in their own right. They, they are, I mean, they're fallen angels. They, they're definitely smarter than we are. They are more powerful than we are. And yet when Jesus walks in their presence, they act almost like a, a, a dog cowering at the hand of their master because they recognize him. I mean, some of the earliest people to affirm and get right who Jesus is are demon-possessed people. They identify him. He silences them because they aren't worthy to proclaim that message, and his time had not yet come. But Jesus clearly is the boss. He is Lord. He is the king. And his reign even dominates and triumphs over beings that are far more powerful than us. And, and that brings a great comfort to me because those things that would destroy us because the devil came to, to steal, kill, and destroy, they are taken aback and when they recognize Jesus. And then when he commands them to do things, they listen. So... Those would be two encouragements, just the power of Jesus, but also learning from the example of Jesus and in, in the way I do, do my ministry have been two of the most rewarding things. That's edifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been likewise encouraged and benefited from preaching through the gospel of Mark um, I'll just talk about, I guess, some of my experiences from behind the pulpit. Um, this is my third Sunday morning expositional series that I've ever preached from. I'm a very young pastor. I've actually very much so been benefited from the ministry of Jimmy and 
his example of faithful ministry. Um, but I would say that preaching through the gospel of Mark expositionally, pericope by pericope or thought by thought has kind of changed my thought process or perspective of preaching, especially in chapter one. And this is what I mean by that. Uh, when I first started preaching, I just wanted to tell people what to do and what not to do. And I have noticed specifically through chapter one that it's all about Jesus. So as I am preaching, I have to recognize that sometimes preaching is presenting indicative statements and it's not imperatives of what we should do or what we should not do. So it's been uh, humbling to me to grow and to recognize that sometimes when I preach, it's all about just beholding the majesty and the glory of Christ and his ability to cast out demons, his ability to heal, his ability to teach with authority, his ability to forgive sins with authority and just stop and quit telling people do this or do that and just worship the glory of the son of man and the the son of God. So that's one way that I have been extremely benefited by preaching through this gospel. Uh, likewise, as I mentioned, I am a young preacher with, uh, I would say, not as much experience as many other faithful brothers, but it's been really humbling to watch the patience of the saints in our church as they are hungry for the word of God to be preached and they are patient with me as I am growing in the pastorate uh, to preach through this text. It's been a great experience for us as a congregation to look at all these things about Jesus and to have such Christological sermons. Uh, I think my favorite sermon so far, I'm only one chapter in, has been on the baptism of Jesus. I mean, we looked at so many things about Jesus and the, uh, by the grace of God, we are learning more about Jesus. And that was one of our goals that I mentioned. I want to know who Jesus is and I want to know what the gospel is. And I want all of our people to know who Jesus is and what the gospel is. And as Jimmy mentioned for his church, I better add that on too. I want our people to love Jesus as they know more about him. So um, these are some ways that we have been benefited as a church. I pray that we continue to be edified by learning more about Jesus week by week. Um, I do want to transition this conversation now onto some resources that Jimmy and I have been using through the gospel of Mark. Uh, Jimmy, if you want to go ahead and start, and then I can give mine afterwards. Okay, I'll start off by mentioning the commentaries that I use. I, I use the New International Greek Testament commentary on the Gospel of Mark by R.T. France. Now, that's a more technical commentary, but I find he has helpful things to say. I also use the Pillar New Testament commentary, and I can't recall who wrote that, <laughs> but I use the Pillar... James Edwards. James Edwards. That means Austin is also using it. I use the Baker commentary... <laughs> Um, which is by, I believe, William Hendrickson. Let me see. Hendrickson. William Hendrickson. And 
and I really just started using this one fairly recently, and I've I've found him to be pretty helpful. I also use the the ancient. Uh, let me see what the title of that is. I think it's ancient commentary on scripture or something to that effect. Ancient Christian commentary on scripture, which gives kind of an anthology of patristics and and some of the comments they've made on particular text. I use John Calvin's commentary on the harmony of the gospel. I use John Gill, Gill's commentary and, and refer to it. And generally, I mean, it, it's worth saying that I don't normally consult commentaries until I've already done my own exegesis. And and that's generally how I go. I, I usually do my own exegesis and then I and then I go and consult commentaries and read them and and if I if I've come up with something completely novel that no one else has discovered, then I I change it <laughs> because I know I'm probably wrong at that point. Another really, really, really encouraging uh, commentary that I've I've used is J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts. I know Austin's been using that too, and and really J.C. Ryle has just this profound ability to to get right at what the text means and communicate it in a very clear and simple way that that just warms your heart almost every time and 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 sometimes it 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 cuts you right to the core and and convicts you but he he has a very good way of presenting what mark is saying another resource i use is because i'm i'm a graduate or about to be a graduate of the southern baptist theological seminary i have to to consult john broadus's commentary on the gospel of mark and john broadus's commentary is very good. It's very straightforward and straight to the point. And then other resources I use and like to use would include the Bob Inks Reform Dogmatics. I, I refer to its index, and if it if a passage I'm reading is is quoted by him, I go and see see what he was saying about that. And then a biblical theology by Jim Hamilton, God's Glory and Salvation Through Judgment, I believe is the title of that, is another resource I use. And and I don't want to take all of Austin's resources, but also the commentary on of the New Testament's usage of the Old Testament. And I believe J.K. Beale and Don Carson are are the editors of that. I, I find that to be helpful, though I don't always completely agree with some of the conclusions of it, but it's a very helpful resource. So that's kind of my my hodgepodge of material. And it also depends on how much time I have in the week because I, I don't have enough time usually to read each and every one of those. But if I do, I try. Well, you nearly took every single one of the commentaries that I use. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other ones that you use that I can start using? <laughs> I'm sure you probably consult this also, but uh, you didn't mention it, which I figured you would. But uh, John Gill's exposition of the New Testament commentary. I I did mention that. You did? Yeah. Well, then I just can't. I just don't listen to you clearly. (laughs) Uh, I guess I will. I'll start with kind of how I sermon prep and I won't go through all these commentaries again, but. I typically start with my exegesis, uh, and then one 
resource that I like to look at before I start getting in the commentaries after I've done my exegesis is Bruce Metzger's textual commentary of the Greek New Testament for textual variants. Uh, really interesting stuff. We're not going to get into it today. Maybe in a future podcast, we'll have an episode on textual criticism. But uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, then I go to my study Bibles. We didn't mention any study Bibles. I typically, after I've done my exegesis, like to go to study Bibles before I jump into commentaries. Two top study Bibles that I use, ESV study Bible and the Reformation study Bible. Then I jump into commentaries. Then I use all of these commentaries that Jimmy has mentioned, not all of them. Um, I will speak to what he said about J.C. Ryle's commentary. Yes, amen, hallelujah, read it, read it again, and then read it a third time because it's, it's good stuff. I have a lot of J.C. Ryle quotes coming out in my sermons, and I explicitly mention that this is a Ryle quote, so it does not appear as if I am stealing from his commentaries because they are just that good. Read his stuff. Um, and then I was going to mention the New Testament use of the old. Those were the only ones that I thought that I could talk to that you hadn't already discussed. So any other resources that you can think of, Jimothy? One thing that I've begun using, and and I had to use it for a class at Southern, and that's BibleArc.com. And that's that's become a regular thing that I use. I you're able to translate as well as diagram all in one place. I believe you. I believe it's free. There's a paid subscription to where you can save stuff, but I believe you can go on there and and do most of the stuff for free. Which it means you can you can either do discourse analysis, and we aren't going to get into all that. But you can do discourse analysis, you can do phrase diagramming, you can do line diagramming, which is what most baby Greek students are are learning, or or intermediate some intermediate Greek stuff will will do line diagramming, but it's just a good place and a user-friendly place to do that. And you can also search and other people may have done your passage and you can see how they did it. But I've found that being a biblical languages nerd, that that's something that I enjoy to to consult and, and make use of in, in my sermon prep. Well, I've been encouraged by this conversation today. Uh, I want to challenge you real quickly, see if you could think off the top of your head since I didn't tell you we were going to do this. You may need a moment to pause. Can you try to summarize our conversation today in perhaps two or three sentences about uh, maybe an encouragement about the gospel of Mark? Well, that's really two different things, isn't it? You want me to summarize the whole conversation and then and then give an encouragement? Um, well, to summarize our conversation, we're basically saying, if you're a pastor, take a chance and preach through a gospel in the Bible, and we would like you to preach through the gospel of Mark. We found it edifying. All the gospels obviously are edifying and beneficial and profitable for, for the betterment of both your own soul and the soul of your people. But we have found it very 
enjoyable to go through the gospel of Mark. And I, I commend you if you're a pastor to, to preach through it or teach through it in some sort of way. And if you are not a pastor, I encourage you to read the gospels, to read the gospel of Mark, to read the go- each gospel in its entirety to follow its themes before you ever compare them to one another, uh, read each one of the gospels individually and, and, and study them because I, I believe you will be blessed by them. And, and if your preacher is list, or preaching through the gospels, make sure that you listen. And then an encouragement is, I mean, when it comes to reading and preaching period, scripture period there's there's always challenges and there's always difficulties and and mark at times has has difficult texts difficult passages to wrestle through and think through both on an intellectual standpoint but also on i mean on your spiritual development standpoint and stuff like that you'll be convicted and so i mean my encouragement would be to to dig in to study to to pray and if you are a brother and sister who isn't a pastor, I I just encourage you that as soon as you are able to gather with the saints again for corporate worship and come under the ordinary means of grace, be there. And and every time the saints gather, be there. Be there to be an encouragement to your brothers and sisters, and be there because it is what is best for your soul. We thank you for listening to this conversation today on the Gospel of Mark. We hope it will be a helpful resource to you and to the local church. Grace and peace. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. If you've enjoyed this resource or you simply like the Covenant Podcast, head on over to our iTunes page, subscribe, and leave us a review. We are also available via Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.